Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. I like to say if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, and I want to hear from you. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can uh, catch up with me there, uh, at Cutting Room MRB, or you can hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MRB, or shoot me an email, cuttingroomfloor.mrb at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be on the show, uh, if you have something you want me to promote for you, if you can't make it here, uh, and uh, specifically if you're an indie musician and you have want to get some uh, airplay done, uh, I'm always looking for indie artists to play on air during my mid-show breaks. So you know, let me know what you're thinking. Get in touch with me. Uh, it's the time of year where it's almost surreal for me, and I say this every year, but you get to January and you you look ahead and you think. How in the hell am I going to fill all these episodes every Sunday? And then before I know it, I'm back here, and it's the week before Christmas, and uh, you know, another you know, several dozen episodes under my belt, and it's going to be my tenth year next year doing the show. I can't believe it. Uh, so something that, that we've uh, first of all we're, we're going to get in a quick couple of thank yous here uh, first of all to the Wolf who acts as my announcer you can listen to him and his dear wife Susan uh, right here on the Mix Radio Network every Sunday night from 8 o'clock until midnight on the Live from the Morgue podcast also to Michael Cardillo uh, who wrote my jingle for me and to my home away from home out in Los Angeles at Brigade Radio 1 and that's one all spelled out brigaderadio1.org uh, I'm syndicated out in Los Angeles now so uh, Ethan Detmeyer and the gang over there at Brigade Radio 1 and Combat Radio uh, you know, are posting my stuff and I couldn't be any happier about it. This was a highlight of the year. We've been talking about this for a long time and we got it off the ground this year. So, uh, And as always, to kick off the show, I have a little sounder for those guys uh, for uh, one of the audio books that they do and we're going to get that out of the way right now. I'll call that up and let Ethan tell you about it. Hey everyone, it's Ethan with Combat Radio. You know, one of the projects we're most proud of around here is the two-disc audiobook we produced with Disney legend Bob Gurr. From his years of working with Walt Disney to designing the T-Rex for Jurassic Park to Godzilla 1998, the work this man has done is legendary. He designed elements of the Matterhorn, Monorail, Haunted Mansion, Autopia, and much, much more. Get the two-disc audiobook at CD Baby. Just go to CD Baby and enter Fail Fast. Combat Radio Conversations with Disney legend Bob Gurr, and bang, you're on your way to greatness. Now, with a profile like that, you can imagine the stories that this guy must have, uh, you know, building some of the iconic rides in, in Disney. And I've actually tried to get Bob on here a couple of times. Uh, for one reason or another, we, we couldn't make it happen yet, but I'm hopeful that we're going to be able to get that done sooner or later. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for something to listen to in the car, check out that out on, uh, on CD Baby, the, uh, you know, the book by Bob Gurr. And there's also uh, several other books out there that, that uh, Ethan and his gang have put together. So, last show 2017, uh, this has become somewhat of a tradition with me, uh, is to rally the, the troops, so to speak. We, we've got this little group that we call the Indie Rat Pack on Twitter and Facebook. And, uh, you know, one of the things I look forward to, I get a chance to catch up with these guys throughout the course of the year, voice a little bit more so because he's, he's local and he's been a, a good friend of mine for a long time. But uh, we get the Indie Rat Pack together for the last show, the last Cutting Room Floor episode of the year, and we just sort of have a, a roundtable of some of the things that we've been working on and, and uh, you know, in the first half. And then in the second half, we'll talk about, uh, you know, some of the things that we enjoyed the most uh, in popular culture in general. 
uh, in 2017. So uh, with me on the line here, uh, first of all, I've got the artist. I always wanted to say this voice. The, the, the artist formerly known as Voice, but recently branded and rebranded himself as Stephen Voice. Uh, very talented R&B musician out of Montreal, uh, on his way to great things, and uh, you know I've, I've been proud to follow his career and, and call him a friend. Uh, Stephen Voice is here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and uh, the first guy ever to uh, be an in-studio guest, even though I've been doing this for nine years, out of Boston. Uh, very talented, prolific uh, writer, filmmaker. Uh, and, and again, like I said, uh, came out here just last week, actually, and uh, we got a chance to meet him in person, take some pictures, and uh, you know, had you know a few really good laughs. So, uh, Ken Flott is here. Great to talk to you again, Casey. Thanks for having me. And uh, last but certainly not least, all the way from Glasgow, who's helping me out uh, in terms of chairing the call today. Uh, again, a very prolific writer-director, also a graphic designer and dabbles in acting, and thanks to another one of the highlights that I had this year, is one of my business partners, because I'm going to be a movie producer, hopefully next year. Uh, you know, great guy to have around, one of the nicest people you ever meet online, uh, or otherwise for that matter. Paul Reeves is here. Hey guys, how's it going? Trying to be here. So, I, you know, welcome, guys. Uh, you know, I mean, it's been another eventful year for, for all of us. Uh, so I, I guess we can sort of start by doing a bit of a roundtable just to, to catch up on, on some of the, uh, the, uh, the personal things that we've been doing, the individual projects that we've been working on. Some of them overlap a little bit. Uh, but, Voice, uh, I guess I'll start with you. I mean, you had, you had a big year in terms of getting some inter uh, nationwide attention, right, for, for some of your stuff. Yeah, I got some. Um, this was kind of awesome. I got actually not kind of awesome, really awesome. I got nominated for the uh, the uh, what, what do you call it? the uh, notable awards for 2017 as a Canadian breakout musician. Um, the award ceremony was in Toronto last month or so. Um, I went up against five other musicians or so, and uh, I mean I didn't win, um, but just being nominated was such a I don't know, such a great feeling being recognized across Canada for what you do um, as one of the you know the breakout musicians. Um, so that that felt grand, man. Hey, and that's the kind of thing that you can't put a price on that kind of publicity either, right? No, no, you can't. You can't. You can't at all. It's just, you know, it's it's like the industry is recognizing you for all your hard work, and you know, I think we work so hard in in, in entertainment in general. We work so hard, and sometimes it's hard to see the 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 fruits of our labor. But then when the industry recognizes you. You get you realize that you know people are paying attention and what you're doing is making a difference and is is growing. So that felt it's, it felt amazing. So uh, Ken and Paul, I, I meant this for to to be kind of an open discussion. So if you hear anything and you want to jump in, then just feel free to go ahead and do it. Right? If you want to have you know feedback for anybody else, so yeah, yep, we'll do it. Yeah. And uh, I understand voice that, that uh, one of the other things that that is kind of a bit of a work in progress for you is that you're working on um, getting a, your first shall we say more polished music video put together if i can use that word or you know if you can yeah. tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah so it's the first um i guess majorly invested video um and it's a song coming out next year i can't even say the name of the song just yet uh but it's going to be coming around uh towards the beginning of summer end of end of spring um but i just it was, it was such a great feeling because I mean I've you know obviously you've seen the music videos I've done before like Beautiful Pain Summer uh, and uh, sorry um, uh, Surrender uh, and they're such beautiful videos but obviously I was on a budget so there's only so much you could do um, but not being on a budget and being able to really kind of create something big um, I I also I remember walking on set and just kind of being blown away and kind of feeling like this is for me <laughs> like are you sure I'm not in the wrong location it felt you know it, again it's like it's like the award ceremonies like you work so hard all these years and then you finally get to the position where people are taking you as serious as you take yourself and it's almost it, it kind of takes you aback because we're so used to pushing so hard and not really getting the recognition for it you know for it and so to finally get that is it's kind of a shock but at the same time it feels great well, I mean, this is a really good benchmark here for you then in, in that sense. I mean, in, in terms of the music video, I'm gathering from what you're saying, that did you, was there actually a full-fledged crew on, on site and all this kind of stuff? or yeah, it, was a, it was a massive crew. We filmed it at a studio in Montreal called FH Studio. And, you know, they brought in this really talented director. There was a, a director of photography. There were, I mean, there were people just, you know, I, I even had, um, what's it called, um, someone, you know, choosing the clothes that I would wear. Um, we had sponsors uh, like Rootsack, uh, um, 
Puma, etc., that that provided clothing for the shoot. I mean, it was it was massive, and again, to to be at the center of all of it and and have all these people here for me was such an eye-opening experience and very humbling. Honestly, it's good God, very humbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really feel like all these people are working together to make something happen, and it all ha- and it all came from a song that you know I recorded in my studio without thinking that it would get that big. And then next thing you know, everyone is believing in the song, and everyone is on board. And it's yeah, it was it was fun. Now, uh, I mean, this has been a year first for for a lot of us, and the, you know, a lot of us have taken a step up, and you know, we're, we're going to be able to look back on this, but. Uh, and Paul, I, I know that, that you've uh, extended some of the collaborations that you've done with uh, with Ryan Hendrick and, and people like that, and uh, you were party to a, a film called Sundown, which uh, has had very limited, you know, in terms of who can see it yet, but, uh, you know, doing some VFX work and all kinds of other great stuff. I was just wondering if you'd care to, to chime in on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've known Ryan quite a little while now uh, I've worked on him with him on a f- few of his films and he, he, he's worked on one of mine uh, and he initially asked me to do some storyboarding uh, which I did and you know true to form with other things that turned into you know you, you do a little bit more you do a little bit more and I ended up doing um, the VFX on it now I, w- I worked on him on his film Doctor Who, which is just completely laden with monsters and spaceships, and it's it's obvious what the VFX is, but in Sundown it's it's more subtle. It's it's like weather, and taking out animals like a bird shoots past one of the scenes had to be taken out, and telephone wires, kind of natural stuff. Uh, but I think I think one of the the more fun things about it was um, the actress, you know, she, a really young actress called Caitlin Blackwood, who's actually the the real life cousin of uh, Karen Gillian from Gardens of the Galaxy. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, both of them played Amy Pond in Doctor Who. You know. It's that's that's the role that made Karen Gillian famous when she played Amy Pond, and Caitlin Blackwood played the young version of Karen Gillian in later episodes. And funnily enough, apparently, I don't know if this is true, neither of them knew each other existed until Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, I, no I don't way. know if I I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it's a nice story anyway. But anyway. One of the scenes in Sundown, it's it's a very emo- emotional scene, and much to Caitlin's credit, she 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 really got into the role, and she cries real tears, and it's a real close up of her face, and she maybe got too emotional for film acting because a wee, is, is, although you can see the tears going down her face, a little bogey drips down her nose as well. Yeah, you know, and 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 goes down, and although it's it's real, it 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 is kind of distracting, you know, you know, seeing this big gloop of goo just, yeah, yeah, you get it, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it. it's totally distracting. <laughs> a bit, a big bogey comes down, and uh, that was one of the things I had to fix, you know, just so it's just the tears and no big blob coming down her nose. So I mean, she she was really relieved we fixed that because so, although it looked real, it it did look real. You you can get too real. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, so, was, I'll I'll ask you this then: how how hard is a problem like that to fix? I mean, you know, you, it's something that you kind of take for granted. That you, you're right. You you get wrapped up in an emotional scene, and you know sometimes you know human nature gets the better of you. But but uh, technically, how hard is it to to polish that away? I guess. Funnily enough, um, that was probably one of the more important things to do uh, because it, it was a key scene in the film, but it was actually one of the easiest things to do. Uh, one, one of the hardest things to do, um, there's some drone footage at the beginning of the film uh, where 
we see the character that Fraser Hines plays, who's, who's also a Doctor Who actor, incidentally, um, powering in this motorboat towards this island. But but Fraser didn't actually want to do the scenes out in the middle of the, the sea coming in. So it was boat owner who did it. And uh, so they put the jacket on the boat owner and the hat and everything else. But what the drone footage picked up that nobody noticed until back in the studio is the the boat owner was wearing bright yellow wellies, whereas the character Fraser's playing is wearing brown brogues. So uh, I I had to pretty much uh, frame by frame animate these yellow wellies out, and uh, that that was mind numbing, absolutely mind numbing for what was just like a few seconds of film. It was horrible because I, I literally had to do it frame by frame. Uh, some people might not have really have noticed it. You know, it's it's. I mean, every single movie, even the most expensive Hollywood movie, every, everybody can see the the odd little mistake every now and again, uh, and you do your best to cover them up. Um, people might have noticed, they might have not, but um, yeah, bright yellow wellies compared to brown brogues. That, that that was one of the things I fixed. That that was horrible. That 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 was one of the toughest parts of it. But it's probably a less important scene than the globulous bogey dripping down well, from uh, the, the actress's nose, you know. But that was easier to do. Well, I mean, Ian, you raise an interesting point too. That I mean, you know, history's full of examples of that too, right? I mean, you know, the one that a lot of people references in Spartacus. Apparently, I. I have gone looking for it, but I can't find it. But apparently, there's one scene where you can make out one of the gladiators actually has a wristwatch on, and you know, so you know, little things like that. You know, mm. purists will really catch up on them. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a monumental task when you think about it to make sure that everything looks, you know, exactly the way that it should, right? So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it's the thing I was talking about. I mean, if uh, again, if you look at the besieged film that we made it's blatantly obvious what is VHS because there's monsters and spaceships everywhere but in sundown it, it, it's just nature uh, but it, it's like um, a lot of think films like period dramas and things like that they're actually still quite laden with CGI but it's kind of natural stuff like weather and grading and stuff like that I mean there, there was quite a fair bit in Sundown but it's not stuff that most people would associate with CGI I mean I mean, people hear CGI they naturally think of monsters and spaceships but it, it, it isn't always you know so I'm going to come back to Game Boys in a second but but uh, I mean this has been a year first for a lot of us and uh, you know one of the you know the bigger breakouts that we've had is uh, you know I'm going to bring Ken into the discussion and Ken I, I understand that you're kind of breaking <coughs> off on your own uh, for for the first time you let me read the first scene or the first couple of pages of your treatment of something called off the books right yeah, that's correct yeah so just a new new character new story that I've uh, been looking at uh, at doing it and part of it was uh, just being, if you want to put it this way, is inspired by the horribleness of, of the, uh, the the election last year, and just a thought of what if there's people or a person or someone who who is uh, uh, just living to just uh, maintain uh, um, America, whatever that means to whoever that means to, is it doesn't matter who's in power, he has zero interest in politics. And uh, uh, just so long as we can maintain the fact that we have a um, democratic society and, and you know, everybody pays their taxes, and, and again, it just, he doesn't have any sides. It's whoever's in power, that's who he works for. And anybody who gets uh, uh, too loud on one side of the aisle or the other, is, uh, he, he needs to um, quiet that voice. We'll put it that way. And, and this was a concept that you came up with all on your own, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, I just kind of uh, started writing, sat down, right? I think we talked about it last week, is that uh, uh, when I start writing a story, all I do is just come up with the idea and just see where it takes me. So I didn't have any idea where that was going to go. I just kind of, that's that uh, scene that I, I shared with you uh, just kind of came out, and then from there, it was, uh, uh, it was uh, all systems go. 
We we seem to have, Ken. Uh, uh, we have a little bit of an echo uh, on your line. I, I don't know if uh, guys have you picked up on that, but uh, maybe if you could just talk a little bit directly into your mic a little bit, you know, get a little bit closer or something. But uh, I mean, sure, is that better? A little bit better. Yeah, great. All okay, right. cool. Um, and you came up with a term that that uh, that I'm going to call you out on here. That that um, I'm kind of curious about myself. Uh, dynamic, ambiguous storytelling. Oh yeah. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, um, uh, so I'm working on something. This is more of a, uh, a film project kind of thing. And uh, uh, like the, uh, instead of sitting down having a, I want, uh, you know, beginning, middle, and end of things, what if putting together a bunch of uh, images and, and uh, short, uh, um, short uh, clips and it may have uh, dialogue beyond, piece it together, Tell the story that I feel that I'm telling, and then just put it out there, and have you, whoever watches it, decide what that story is on on your side. Well, I mean that's an interesting concept, right? So you, you're kind of um, it's more of an artistic approach in the sense that almost like looking at a painting that you're waiting for people to take away what they're going to take away. That's correct. Yeah. So part of the idea comes from uh, back in the day. I, I think, think I know where that echoes come from. Hang on for a second. So well, back, back in the, the day, day, when I did uh, stage plays, I did a, um, a uh, uh, sorry, a, uh, a Sam Shepard play, and it, it was it's called uh, uh, A Fool for Love. One of the lines in the play that my character said was um, square patches of color moving. He, he was talking about uh, seeing a, um, a, uh, a drive-in from far away. So that's all I can see. He can't hear it, so he sees these square packs of color movie. Well, it's still telling a story to him, and that always stuck in my mind. And then uh, reading a book by William Gibson, it's called uh, Pattern Recognition. He mentions something in there with this people are interested in, like these two or three second video clips, and no one knows where they come from, or what they mean, but they're all interpreting it in their own way. So instead of having the influence of someone telling you this is a love story, this is, you know, a horror film. This is a drama. How about just having people's um, own individual life experiences tell them what the story means and, and, and have them interpret it that way? Uh, and shifting back to Paul here for a second right now, uh, Paul, you, you, uh, basically you and, and Voice and I have, have had, uh, you know, our fair share of discussions about a project that you've had in the works for a while. Uh, you're also building on uh, on your relationships with Combat International, and hopefully, uh, we'll get to the point where um, you know collectively or you know on your own, you're going to be able to take Game Boys to the next level, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, it has it has been going on for quite some time, but it, it's uh, it's not been going on <laughs> in the sense of it, it's taken all this time to get from A to B. It, it's gone through a lot of of stages, like. I wrote it as a sitcom to begin with, right, right, yeah. and I was actually I, I, I won't go too much into the details about it because uh, I I don't want to hear from any lawyers yet, but uh, I was in hmm. talks with the BBC for over a year, and they were very interested in uh, lighting this, and then all of a sudden, you know, I won't get into the details about why. Uh, that didn't come to pass. Uh, so th th then, after trying to punt it around other production companies, which, which is actually very, very hard, because the, the vast—I don't know what it's like in in Canada and the States—but the vast majority of people won't even look at unsolicited scripts, and get, getting your stuff seen when uh, you're not through any doors is fiercely difficult. I mean, it, it really is a catch-22. It's like production companies won't look at your work unless they come through uh, a known agency. And agencies won't take you on board unless you have got notable work out there. You know, so, so, so how the hell do you get these doors kicked down, you know? Uh, but some companies do look at unsolicited work and this particular branch of the BBC did back then. It doesn't now, uh, you know, pro probably uh, 
partially as a result of what was happening with me. But anyway, um, but yes, I I decided I also took over a year out to work on a martial arts school and that was actually tying in with everything as well I mean I, I, I said to the folk who are working with me on it Stevie and Vanessa that, that, that this is this is all going to be part of it you know it, it, it's worth me spending my time to refocus my time to build this up and it, and it would have been unfortunately that was another thing that I, I walked away from so then I focusing my energies onto making a movie and this is actually what brings it closer to today you know so although it's been several years it's not been several years working on it as a movie and and yeah. in that time uh, I got Charlie R Ch Charlie R Charlie Allen and Combat International interest working with me now I'd known Charlie for quite a while for, for those of you who, who don't know um, to cut it short you, you've, have you seen you've seen Gladiator with Russ Crowe at the beginning of the movie when they're fighting German barbarian horde uh, there's this big huge bearded guy who's shouting at them I, I presume in some kind of medieval German and he throws a severed head at them that's Charlie uh, and, and he's a Scottish guy he's this giant bearded Scottish guy and for years I thought he was some European until I found out about him purely by chance from an acting audition and when I found out what he was doing like building this medieval fort and He's actually the combat choreographer for a lot of major Hollywood movies. I was completely blown away. Uh, and so I, I got in touch with them initially because I, I wanted to do a painting of them. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen my work, but the painting called Charlie on Horse, that, that, that's Charlie. And that's that's all I wanted to do at first. Um and I, I contacted him and asked him if I could do this, and he said yes, as long as you send me a print, which I did. And and from that, I actually got to know him. He actually owns the original painting now. Um, and it actually took years of knowing them for them to actually trust me to start working with them. And since that, I've designed a lot of their their logos. For the, their various tiers of their company, a uh, lot well, of their clothing. I, I've even acted with them in uh, Viking Anna, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after several years of gaining their trust, I, I chatted with them about the combat choreography on Game Boys, and they're on board with it. And, and these guys are some of the best in the industry I mean if, if you look at their CV they've worked on Justice League Thor uh, Transformers uh, they've recently been doing the Outlaw King with uh, which one of the Chris's is it there's all these Chris's in Hollywood now uh, well, Captain and, Kirk and, Captain and, Kirk that guy well, yeah, no, <laughs> and, and, yeah Chris Pine Right. Chris Pine, that's yeah, the one. There's yeah. so many Chris's there now. It's like, yeah, them. Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pine. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, uh, Chris, but... Chris Cross, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's been their, their latest batch of work. And, you know, it's not all medieval swords and sandals. It's like, you know, the, the, they've, they've done work in the Justice League. They've done a lot of motion capture in various video games. Uh, and Char Charlie, they, I mean, if you listen to this show at all, Charlie's been on here a few times too, and he he is a riot, uh, you know. Like he, you know, he was telling me about uh, uh, he also was part of a, a musical group uh, of uh, Celtic music called Shore Patrol, and mm. uh, he was telling me that that I, I, I kid with him that, that he must have been really popular, but he taught himself to play the bagpipes. While he was staying in a hotel room, uh, on the set of Gladiator, and I said, you know, I can imagine, uh, you know, teaching myself a lot of instruments in a hotel room, but bagpipes is not one of them. 
you know. <laughs> so. so, so something that you said, uh, um, Paul, just to made me think of something. So that image of of Charlie with the the beard and and the yelling and 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 menacing people with the severed head. That that's in general the way I used to think about Scottish people before I met you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I, I'm I'm not the usual Scottish person. <laughs> Most of them are like that. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I mean, it's like, like I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I until I found out about Charlie through an acting audition, I, I didn't know he was even Scottish. I, th- I just thought he was some mad European guy. Uh, but yeah, he, he absolutely loves what he does, uh, the Clan Ronald stuff. And he, he goes around a lot of schools teaching um, the history and the movie side of it is just one part of it, you know, to, to help them to fund the main thing that they're doing, which is building the fort called Duncaran. And um, I don't know if, if you, Casey, or anybody else has seen any photographs of Duncaran. I, but I, it, I have, it, yeah. I've, uh, guys, have you checked out the, the link for Duncaran by any chance? I have not yet. No, not yet. No, it, but, it, it, it's yeah. uh, it's surreal. It looks like something in straight out of the Middle Ages. And, you know, All right, so here's here's a here's here's a question to the group. Then we can go around if you want to. Who you got in the death match, Marshall Teague or Charlie? Oh, jeez, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> yeah, same. Marshall Teague is a Navy SEAL, and <laughs> and. You but know, Charlie is a berserker who but, carries but, severed heads with him. But I mean, Charlie is a berserker who who is crafted, you know, medieval he also, weapons. He also, does nin, he also teaches ninjutsu uh, and Scottish medieval martial arts. And they're about the same uh, age, I would gather, just from what I know about them, because uh, you know Charlie's what in his mid fifties, I think. Or... I, I I don't think anyone would walk away alive. <laughs> there would just yeah, be bits of body I, everywhere, and that would. Be, I, I say you know, I say that you're the, right. the biggest I, I, the, the biggest I, I, bit of body left is the winner. You know. I I, 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 I say that you're right. I say that you're right a bit into the uh, the Game Boy script there, Paul, to, to have Marshall and. Uh, uh, more crazy face-off, you know. I, I hope. Uh, well, I personally, I vote that they they settle their differences before it comes to blows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're two of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet, too. I mean, you know, really, really, really good people. And I mean, you guys got a chance to to hear a little bit about Marshall from when you were on here one of the other times, but. Um, so what I'm going to do is, uh, first of all, I'm going to get in a quick plug for myself here. I was actually on a shoot yesterday, so I played a vampire in a public service announcement raising money, raising awareness to, to give blood. Uh, so that's what I was doing yesterday. And then, nice uh, work, I, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was fun. Mode Misha was her name, and, uh, she was the second person that I ever interviewed on the show, period. Uh, you know, going way back nine years, and she and I have stayed in touch since, and and uh, so that that was fun. And then they, she said, "Well, did you mind standing up and uh, you know for a little cameo thing, and you know getting, you know, squirted in the face with a you know big blotch of uh, you know fake blood kind of thing?" And I said, "Just react naturally. We don't want to tell you what to do or anything like that." So. I said, okay, one, two, three, go, and the guy went bang and, you know, nailed me. The way they said it, it looked like somebody had punched me in the face. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, That's really, awesome, man. Re- really, really fun. So I'd, I'd never done anything like that before, so uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, so if that's okay with you guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my break here, uh, and we'll play two songs. One of them is, you know, nice, and the other one is a little bit funny. Uh, I've got Joe Pesci, If It Doesn't Snow on Christmas, and I haven't got the censored version, so this is going to be fun. Uh, and another artist that I really like, Harry Connick Jr., uh, I Pray on Christmas, and this is one of the songs I like to hear at this time of year. And I don't generally play a lot of Christmas music, but Harry Connick Jr., sign me up for that. So we'll be back in about five minutes, and if you guys could just hit mute, and we'll be right back, all right? Okay, okay. Christmas, he'll show me what to do. I pray on Christmas, 
you help me understand And I pray on Christmas It'll take me by the I pray on Christmas, sweet Jesus, that the sick will soon be strong. I pray on Christmas, sweet Jesus, the Lord will hear my song. I pray on Christmas, sweet Jesus, that God will lead the way. And I pray on Christmas, he'll get me through. I pray on Christmas. I pray on Christmas. I pray on Christmas. He'll get into another day. I pray on Christmas. My problem's gonna be worked out. I pray on Christmas. God'll show us what love's about. I pray on Christmas to do Your will each day. And I pray on Christmas that I'll be with You in heaven someday.
I sent them a nice long letter And I hope it's not in vain I really would feel much better If the fat fuck flew a plane Now they say he got a reindeer For the sleigh he's driving here But how the fuck's he go If it doesn't snow on Christmas this year All right, I got a treat for you Listen to these kids Are they great? Beautiful, beautiful Kids grade away Your mothers might be listening now. That's very sweet. Terrific, kids. Terrific. You're just great. Everybody come over here. You did a great job, and I got candy for everybody. All right, all right. Which one of you little pricks stole all the fucking candy canes? Ah, nice, nice kids. Where'd you get them? From a fucking jail? Fucking reform school brats. Get the fuck out of here, all of you. I saw you. You took the candy. I didn't do nothing. Yes, you did. It was the dog. We shot. No, what are you talking about? And that was uh, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini, otherwise known as Joe Pesci. And in about 20 minutes, I'm going to get a call from my Irish Catholic mother asking me why I played that. But fuck it. It's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, <laughs> you guys heard that one before? No, no, I haven't. No, go back and listen to the show after. It's, uh, it doesn't snow on Christmas. How the fat fuck gonna get to us? So, <laughs> actually, Paul, Paul, I think that should be your wedding song. <laughs> That's, well, no, I mean, it's like the old joke, Ken, right? It's like, you, you know what, uh, uh, you know, you know what the four words are that that uh, describe the headline in a uh, any kind of Scottish family gathering. No, sir. Among the injured were. <laughs> so, I kid, Paul. Paul, you know, yeah, Paul's going to hang up on me. Uh, Paul, you still? Uh, no, I, I've uh, been at a few weddings that. Uh, no, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay, so 2017, the year in review, favorites around the table. Uh, so three of you have touched on video games, and I'm going to kind of break off on my own. So I'll, I'll start it with this. Uh, one of the films, because the, the rest of it has to do with video games, so we'll throw the floor open to a discussion about that. But one of the things that I enjoyed this fall, uh, much more than I thought I was going to, was the remake of Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, that moved a lot faster than I thought it was going to. And uh, some really big names that were in that. And um, sort of a lighter touch on Poirot that, that, uh, than most people would see. Uh, so I thought that was a fun one to see. And the other one that I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, the movie about making a movie that was so bad that it never should have seen the light of day in the first place. Uh, the Franco brothers are working on something called The, Dis the Disaster Artist, which is basically the telling of uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. And if you haven't seen that, it's painfully awful. And I, I don't know that anybody could make a movie that bad intentionally. Uh, but but it was I, I described it as a bunch of uh, uh, mentally challenged hospital patients on lockdown trying to make a softcore porn film. But that was the best way that I could describe it. And and they're making a movie about the making of this movie that's supposed to be tongue in cheek humor. So it, and it looks really funny, admittedly. So uh, so that's one thing that's uh, so bad it's good kind of thing that, that I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, have either of you guys heard of either of those projects or? Yeah, yeah, the disaster movie that for sure. Recently, yeah. yeah, so that that one's coming out this week. But uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express wasn't a bad way to kill a couple of hours. I went because my uh, my best friend is a, a, a you know a Poirot addict. Like he watched them all on um, you know on, on PBS and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up you know with exposure to that character. But even he was won over by the time the movie was over. Um, so those were mine. And uh, the other. Uh, I, I guess I can sort of throw a dart and, and pick any one of you because you've all raised video game topics when I ask you to pick your favorite project. Yep. Um, so I, I guess Paul will start with you. The the resurgence of uh, of VR and it actually becoming legitimized in terms of of something that people are actually going to want to get out there and use to the point where the quality is actually there now. You think? 
So you broke up a little bit at the end. What was the last okay, thing you so, said? Uh, so virtual reality video games, mm. right? And yeah. uh, you know, and them becoming more mainstream to the point where the uh, you know the bugs have been ironed out and the, that people are uh, going to be able to actually enjoy these on a different level this you know this time around. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with the VR is it's now affordable for the public. I mean, VR has been around for for decades. Uh, but say, for example, when, when I first got into the games industry, which uh, t- twenty years ago now, um, VR was around then. But a typical VR helmet was about ten grand, and that and it would only run on a, a ridiculously expensive computers. I mean, the computers that we used to make the video games back then were forty nine grand a pop. Uh, because most home computers back then and those the, 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 the biggest ones that you could get were things like your Amiga and your Atari ST uh, th- those were like the biggest home computers back then I mean um, so, so what it was like to have kind of like what a modern day powerful computer is back then well, these the only days, way you could days... get that back then was, oh, is, it was like paying about 50 grand for it. It, it just wasn't available to the public. Uh, but now it, it's totally slashed in price and, and people can get it in their homes. And uh, a, a lot of people have their opinions on VR, uh, but when Amazon put their bundle deal, uh, their Black Friday bundle deal on, where you got the PlayStation headset the camera, uh, a game, it was either Skyrim or Gran Turismo. They sold out in four minutes. That that that, that I mean that that's staggering, you know. And even though they're still restocking their things that they're selling out. So people are people are, are buying this and this is gonna make the developers go right. So the because if, if because back when we were making the games in the beginning it was very hard to see a future in VR. It was just so out of the price range of our customers. But now that it is in the price range, and they are buying the tech, it's it's going to completely change uh, developers and how they make their games. They're going to make their regular games for your your two D screen, and they're going to make their versions for VR because. People are paying it, paying for it. Uh, they want it. They seem to be enjoying it, and it's a totally different experience to just uh, sitting looking at a TV screen. So I, I think it's uh, it won't be for everybody. Uh, um, some people have thought it's going to be a fad. I don't think it's going to be a fad. I, I think the tech is going to grow and grow until it's just completely immersive. Um, yeah. I- yeah. Can I just chime in? I think that the more developers make games that are that are immersive, like you said, it'll definitely latch on. I think at the beginning, developers were making games that were very gimmicky, you know, mm-hmm. very just like exactly what you'd expect. But now they're starting to really embrace it and and really draw you into the experience. So I I personally don't think it's a it's a fad either. I think it's gonna stay so long as the developers give it the the love it deserves. Well, and, and voice, uh, you're, you're speaking so. from, you're speaking from a position of knowledge too, because I mean. Yeah, you're a subject matter expert. I mean, you had your own podcast for for video games for a long time, right? So yeah, the, the gamer nerds. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So, um, so I'll segue into you then. I, I in, in the spirit of innovations and, and some of the things that have come out, and I, I was actually surprised to hear this myself, but it, it certainly caught my attention that uh, you came across a game uh, that that tackled the notion of mental illness. Is that possible? Yeah, mental illness. Um, and it's really funny how I came across this game a few about four years ago. I was following this, uh, uh, this I guess this um, video editor for a company called Ninja Theory. Uh, her name is Melina Jurgens. Uh, she was editing. She was doing all the uh, you know the video editing for their their upcoming game called Hellblade, which is the game I'm talking about right now. Um, and along the way, they lost their main actress, and they asked her to fill in just for some shots. Um, and they liked her so much that they kept her on as the main actress, and and her her portrayal of the character was so raw and and touching, and I kept following the game. Um, and when it came out, I played it finally, and it's just they they tackle you know a very controversial 
subject matter, which is you know mental health and mental mental illness, um, and they manage to do so in such a way that it it it, it kind of brings you into the game and makes you want to understand more of what it's like to be someone that suffers from something of that nature, right? And um and you know I just I was blown away by what they created. Um, it's a game called Hellblade uh, by Ninja Theory. Uh, they, they, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they self-released it without a, um, a publisher. Um, and and you know, Melina Jurgens, who you know, who never acted before, who was thrown into the role, delivered such an amazing um, portrayal of the character that she won the you know, best performance for the Game Award 2017, which blew my mind. And at the same time, the game itself just you know it's just been getting nothing but love and nominations across the board for all these award shows. So I'm really happy to see you know game developers do something different and 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 deliver on it and create an experience that's so unique that you can't help but stop and say you know great job well and, and the, the other notion that you touch on too is that the tr video games i mean there's still a stigma that they're primarily marketed to to men but but there is a, a, a booming demographic for for video games for women too right that you know there's, yeah, there's yeah. Strong, strong characters like this and strong plot lines that that, that would drag a, a female audience into the things right yeah, and there's and then then this year particularly had you know two really powerful games. One of them like you know Hellblade, and the second one is called Horizon Zero Dawn. It features a really strong female protagonist, and that game as well also won a lot of awards. Um, so I think that we're finally seeing a major shift in the gaming industry where we're no longer seeing games as things for just men, but for people in general. And we're being more inclusive. We're having games with you know minorities. We're having games with you know different ethical ethical backgrounds as main characters, females, males, cross gender. Um, I think it's important that we're tackling these things in games um, and finally being more inclusive because you know obviously the gaming honestly at, at this point the gaming gaming industry is becoming more pivotal to media than even in movies. You know gaming is kind of taking it by storm. So I'm happy to see that it's a growing it's it's a growing industry that's becoming self-aware of being more inclusive so on the spirit yeah, of being, on, on the spirit nope. of being more inclusive Kenya yeah, my, my next point was to you that, that you were picking up on the notion of indie gaming uh, developers and that, that you know there was room for everybody to, to play if you'll pardon the pun and, and you picked up on two properties that you enjoyed right yeah so uh, going back to something that that Steven said there just uh, um uh, and and Paul as well something I mentioned to Paul and in, in emails like going back and forth early this year with regards to gaming itself, platforms like uh, um, uh, think about wh where we were five years ago and uh, actually sitting on your computer, even if you just have it as, as a background, is other people playing video games on Twitch, right? So th think of any of those platforms. People tune into those people and subscribe to those people to to in engage with those people, whether it's men or male or female, on you know across the whole spectrum of games that are being played uh, currently right now. That I mean, that's just another form of entertainment. That's you're watching someone play video games, and it's still wildly entertaining, right? But you also get to interact with them. Maybe they ask you for um, a feedback on a particular game, or hey, have you played this? Don't give me spoilers. And and people meet in their chat room on a daily basis to sit there t and watch them play video games. Again, I can't stop saying that enough. And they, they, that w that was nowhere a few years back, and now it's huge. Um, speaking to some of those people, in particular, my focus is on because uh, I uh, do a bit of study with in and uh, uh, trying to learn um, uh, game dev, so indie game dev, right? So learning how to do that stuff. And uh, Julie, uh, um, my lucky lady, as I like to call her, I don't know if she'd call herself that, but is uh, she, she's a gamer, like a big gamer, right? So. And uh, actually, uh, Casey, you met her, so I don't. You you, you can just just t tell t t tell everybody how lucky she is or not after having spent time with us. Anyway, well, well, um, well, well yeah, you, you, <laughs> there's a fine line between lucky and glutton for punishment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, but okay, the, the that, that was the, that and, that, asked, and that was and that was a that was that was a shot for making the comment that I had bars on my windows last week. So. Well, you kept me in your basement for three days, so I made sure I I do the show, and then then let maybe like like crawl my way out. And I left there barely with my dignity. I mean. Well, I, so, uh, dignity, hell, I mean, I did make you take the subway in Montreal, so that <laughs> says something. So. I love that. That's fantastic. So um, back to that is, is uh, with regards to, to gaming and whatnot, and Stephen uh, and Paul, please chime in. But uh, um, speaking with Julie specifically, is some of the conversations that we had about the games that uh, um, that she enjoys and she plays is is she prefers the at least the uh, ability to choose um, whether she's going to play as a male or a female. And so many, and going back to that point of, of you know female gamers and, 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 and whatnot is, and speaking to people on Twitch and just asking them that question, a simple question without you know leading them in any direction is, as a woman gamer, 
do you play games or do you find games that have uh, only have the choice of you playing as a male or female or does it not matter to you doesn't matter and that has to have them and it's about 50 50 down the middle where they, they do or they don't but the main thing is they like to have a good game but a lot of them if they have a choice particularly with the rpg is they want the ability to play as a female because they want they want you more identify um with themselves the demographic state you can look up uh, look up the numbers is that i believe it's a little bit more towards women almost 51 percent of of uh, uh, gamers out there who are purchasing games including indie games are female you can't ignore 50 to 51 percent of the people who are going to spend money on your product you have to address that you have to do that and indie games with the um you know you can take a course for ten dollars on udemy.com to learn even basic gaming and release a game within a week if you want to so there's an opportunity there for everybody and with regards to the storytelling of that uh, of of being able to tell a story. Those games that I mentioned uh, to you, cases uh, Oxen Free is one, and Inside is another one. Um, f- for me, you know, Julie hadn't hadn't played them. She took a look at them and she asked me specifically, "How, how do you like those games?" And I just I had one word for both of those games: is they are astonishing. Just the way they present, one is more ambiguous than the other one, but just the way they present their their stories and and one and one of them, you're playing the lead character is 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 a female. And uh, she's a high school student, and you think that would be like really dull. They deal with some really heady stuff in, in that thing, and it has nothing to do with with coming of age. It just has to do with like some really, um, you know, uh, uh, um, I don't want to give away the game. You can look it up for yourselves uh, and whatnot. But it's just it's just the, the ability to opening up the world of of uh, storytelling to through indie games and and being able to do it um, as an individual or whatnot. It's just to me, it's just I just love the idea of that. Uh, well, unfortunately, guys, I, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, but but I wanted to thank all three of you for, for making time out of your schedules for this. And, uh, you know, it was another great way to cap off the year. Uh, you know, I consider all you guys friends, and uh, this was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you guys nothing but the best of success in the New Year's and, um, you know, that you enjoy your time with your family over the next couple of weeks. But um, before we do that... Uh, I think it's also, it would be kind of a nice idea. Uh, Ivana uh, Valcarcel out of Argentina has been listening to my show again. One of the people that listens to my show, Rain or Shine, every single bloody week. And I know that she's been helpful to you guys. So how about we just wish her uh, a happy holidays there before we wrap up. Hey, Ivana. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, Ivana. She's amazing. One of the kindest people I've ever come across on the internet. So thank you. Happy holidays. Yeah, she is. She's cool. She she's there listening, giving support. Yeah, she's awesome. I hope you have a great holiday. I really do. Ivana, thank you so much. Thank you for all your support uh, uh, throughout the years, uh, um, and uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, uh, we we love you very much. And some some uh, some advice from uh, from uh, your boy here in Boston with the holidays. Make sure you avoid all the right people, and you'll have a happy holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, round the horn. Uh, last chance to plug. Voice, uh, uh, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, where can people go to find more, uh, find out more about what you're doing? Sure. I mean, my website for sure, voycemusic.com. Um, I'm across all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm, the, I'm most active on Instagram, so voice music, V-O-Y-C-E music, and it's the same handle for the rest of the platforms. Okay, and uh, Paul, how about yourself? Uh, if you find me on Twitter, that's at Paul underscore A underscore Reeves. Uh, my Twitter links to just about everything else I have. Uh, goes to my blog, which links everything. If you find me on Twitter, you'll find everything. Yeah. Okay, and Ken, you get the last word. Yeah, simple enough. So at uh, um, you can send uh, uh, complaint emails to complaud at gmail dot com, or you can find me on uh, on Twitter and or Instagram. Same thing. It's just my name at Ken Flod, K E N F like Frank L O T T. Find me there. I'd love to talk to you. Okay, and uh, to everybody who's out there who's listening and who's been supportive and sent me all kinds of referrals, uh, again, you know, thank you very much for all the support this year. Uh, you know, it's humbling going into my tenth year, and I, you know, I wouldn't do it if it was so, if it wasn't so much fun. So, um, you know, looking forward to coming back in a couple of weeks. So, until then, for the last time in 2017, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor on behalf of my guests. Uh, Paul Reeves, uh, Ken Flott, and Stephen Voice. Uh, cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at CuttingRoomMRB. 
and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.